Hi, my name is Pat Live and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. Here we are, 18 weeks into the series, and today, when I write this, is Victoria Day, or as some call it, May 2-4. We've been celebrating Queen Victoria's birthday with a holiday since 1845, almost 180 years. In the current, historically and politically charged environment, I'm just waiting for someone to suggest we cancel the holiday. As we slowly eradicate our history and shove it under the carpet, by changing street names, knocking down statues, and removing artwork, rather than learning from it, I'm sure someone will find something wrong with Victoria's reign. Whomever you are, I dare you to take the first long weekend of summer away from Canadians. Here in Ontario, we're still under stay-at-home orders until June 2nd, but you wouldn't know it for the crowds in the parks, on the beach, and along the boardwalk, all taking advantage of the gorgeous weekend weather. Let's hope we don't have a flare-up. This stay-at-home business is beyond wearing. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I didn't start out to present these interviews live. I was recording the conversations purely for reference purposes for my column. Many were recorded outdoors, and this one is no different. I actually can't remember when I first met Pat Silver, but we've known each other for at least five, maybe six years. Sing, Toronto Vocal Arts Festival, was, at one time the only music festival in the world celebrating a cappella singing. A few days of the festival actually ran parallel to Canadian Music Week, and one year I found myself going back and forth between the two and enjoying every minute. It was at some point during one of my mad dashes I met Pat. A cappella is one of my favorite forms of music. The harmonies are just spectacular. I then discovered Pat lives just a few blocks over from me in the Beach Triangle, so we are friends and neighbors. We spent a very enjoyable afternoon sunning ourselves in her backyard as ice cubes clinked and conversation flowed. Patricia Silver has combined her passion for music and performance, her sharp entrepreneurial skills, her commitment to community service, and her dedication to her family into a successful career and a busy but happy lifestyle. She is considered a pioneer and a leader in the music industry. With university degrees in piano and violin performance, Plus a master's in broadcasting, Pat came to Canada in 1971 and worked in media for several years, first with Screen Gems, followed by CBC. The call of the road beckoned and Pat joined various touring bands. In 1980, she founded the Sphere Entertainment Agency and helmed it for 32 years, booking thousands of artists worldwide. Pat is also the author of two best-selling children's books. Pat retired, quote-unquote, in 2011, only to be drafted to help found and create Canada's biggest a cappella festival, Sing Toronto Vocal Arts Festival, which is now entering its 10th season. Sing has extended its reach to Edinburgh, Scotland, Texas, Puerto Vallarta, and now California. Pat was awarded Toronto Beach Citizen of the Year for her extensive volunteer work and will be inducted into the Clayton Education Hall of Fame in St. Louis, Missouri, this coming fall for her leadership in the arts. But people know who you are, what you do, what your association with the biz is. Ah, that's a long question. Okay, Pat Silver. I'm a producer. I was an agent for 32 years. I currently help manage three a cappella groups, and I co-manage Canada's premier a cappella festival, Sing, the Toronto Vocal Arts Festival with uh, allied festivals under our brand in four cities in Texas, in Edinburgh, Scotland. That's what I do in the business. And, I, and I, I'm a multi-instrumentalist and producer. And a clown. And a clown. And a clown. And a clown. I, I love the clown part. How long have you been clowning, by the way? Uh, we started Sphere Clown Band in 1977. Wow. Sold 100,000 records when they were called records. Um, and... Uh, about almost 100,000 books I'm a best-selling author wow for kids yeah for kids books yeah very cool yeah. I, I knew I read on Facebook that you were crying I had no idea that you had written kids books what are they called 
Uh, the book that sold that was a bestseller is called Face Painting. It's, it was put out by Kids Can Press. They wanted something that was a hands-on for kids under 12. So how to how to create characters uh, with face paint. So the different there's a lot of books on the market that do that, but they're pretty much a step-by-step -step, uh, uninteresting guide that tells a kid, you know, draw this, put this on, put this on. So I made mine fun because I'm a clown telling the story. So there's lots of fun activities, there's a lot of jokes. I mean, it was really a much, to me, a much better book. Well, obviously it did well because it became a bestseller. Um, and then there was a coloring book that, we, that was produced under our direction about our clown band and that sold 55,000 books. You learned, I've been learning so many new things talking to people doing these, it's great. I had no idea. You know, and that the, you don't need to print this, but the fun part about this, the book that I wrote, I was commissioned by Kids Can Press to write this. They, they called me, Valerie Hussey, who owned Kids Can, called me out of the blue one day and said, hi, we want you to write a book for us. I said, is this a joke call? She said, no, this is really Valerie, and you know, I really want you to do this. I said, well, everyone I know who's an author is dying for a publisher, and you're coming to me. They said, yes, and we're going to pay you to do it. I was like, up, oh, I'm in. So that weekend, or subsequently, my son was doing scuba diving training in Kingston, so I took giant paper and markers, and I wrote a book, and I turned it in. <laughs> and they said, what is that? I said, it's a book. They said, where's the computer disk? I said, no, it's a book. It has pages. It opens and closes. And they just shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, we'll, we'll put it in the computer. <laughs> but it had <laughs> illustrations. It was like, this is what a book looks like. It made sense to me. It would, yes, it would make infinite sense that you wanted a book. Here's your book. Yeah. Your book. They just thought I was a nut bar, but you want to hire a clown. This is what you get. This anyway. is perfect. Yeah. Do you still have that? The, the, uh... No, I gave them the original pages. Oh. And then they, I don't know what, they probably threw it out. It oh. It doesn't matter. It's, it would be something to keep for your grandkids, though. Yeah. It would be, It'd be a little bit of fun. Yes. I That's... still have the book, like the published books. And the book was published in many countries in multiple languages, and... Yeah, it did really well. That's congratulations. That's Thank great. You. I had knew nothing about that. Yeah, that's fabulous. This is this is where the the, the questions really start. Is and this is this is sort of a three parter. It's where what were you doing a year ago from now? Where were you? And and what you're doing now? And where do you think you sh where are you supposed to be? Where should be at this point in time? So a year ago, we had just finished our Sing Festival. This is the middle of June. Right. Um, Sing finished, I think, June 1st or 2nd last year. Uh, and so we were, we had just wrapped up and, you know, like any big event, when you wrap up, you're looking at all your logistics and your, your financials and thanking your sponsors and there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do after right. an event. Just as much work after as before. So basically, the, and, and then you start planning for the next one. So we were planning for 2020, not knowing we didn't have a crystal ball. Um, and I was also, as I do, working on uh, bookings for Countermeasure and for Beat Sync and Ruach Singers, who I work with, but they are booked at Bethlehem Synagogue and that booking is done by the synagogue, but I still do a lot of work behind the scenes for them. And who's that for? Uh, Beth Shalom Synagogue. Okay. And that's where that they strictly sing in Hebrew, and that's where they sing. So, you know, my typical day is doing the wrap up for this festival, working on anything I could do for Countermeasure because they were in the midst of recording a new album. So there's a lot of work behind. You know, you know what? There's a lot of work to do on an album. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's where I was. So then, when all this happened, uh, we started looking at can we do a festival in May 2020? starting in February we started looking at what are the possibilities can we do it can we not do it will people still go out what's going to happen we don't have a good prediction of what's going to happen with the virus and in terms of countermeasure they had done most of the recording they were at the point of doing mostly uh, mastering editing and master mastering I think they were still doing some studio work but a lot of it had been completed uh, but they were still in rehearsal and they were they were heading to Japan for a big tour in May, mm -hmm. which clearly 
the festival they were supposed to play in May was canceled, of course. Um, and also at that time of year, we had gone to a number of uh, trade shows uh, showcasing countermeasure so, and beat sync, that's the other group. And we were in the midst of, with February, March, in the midst of doing all the bookings for 2020 uh, fall tour. They were supposed to be on a fall tour of Saskatchewan and other subsequent tours. So that's what we were doing, and all of that changed. And we're now sitting in Pat Silver's backyard. We are. Having a chat. We are, but it hasn't really, it, it, the work has not lessened at all. It's just as much work, if not more, because we've had, what well, we've done, first of all, every day there's a new pronouncement from some level of government, literally, or from some industry association, or other festivals, and, and I'm, I'm on calls with organizations in the U.S. and Canada both to find out what are they doing, what are the theaters doing. I, lis I listen to calls with large theaters, with small theaters. I listen to calls with promoters. I, we talk to artists, like, what what's your plan? What is everybody thinking? And we've been doing that ever since March when it started to look questionable. So my day is no less busy. Uh, and... I had two Zoom calls simultaneously at one o'clock today, and another one at two o'clock. And that's that's a that's a, a light day. And then that text that just came in was from Countermeasure asking me about something that's really important that I will do for them after we, we do this visit. I mean, I can do it tomorrow. But I've been now uh, in the last couple of weeks connecting through Medem. Medem right. happened anyway, but virtually online. Oh, really? I didn't yes, know that. Yes, because nobody could go there. So this year, for the first time, Medem was online and it was free. So I did my outreach on behalf of Countermeasure to at least 100 or more potential um, presenters, uh, people that, in the industry that we should partner with on behalf of Countermeasure. And I have had some very good results, nothing we can announce, but um, we've got at least one incredibly great agreement on our desk right now to sign for a sync licensing agreement. Um, and I'm talking to distributors and I'm talking to constant promoters. So uh, you can't be there, but we can do all this work. And and everyone's home. They're available. That's the, that's the crazy thing is you think it's quieter now. No, everybody's sitting around. So you can get hold of people they can look at stuff. Nobody says, well, I'm going out to a party with friends or I've got a lunch date. They got nothing. So we're all doing the same thing. So, so that, and that's as far as countermeasure goes. And as far as the festival goes, we are working with venues and artists and film crews and uh, staging situations to pivot this whole festival. And that is a huge job. And that's planning for 2021? No, that's for September. That's for September. So Sing is going to go ahead with September this year. We are going to be end of September, beginning of October. That's no fabulous. No matter what. That's fabulous. Oh, yeah. Why are we doing that? Good question. Because we have the funding from various arts organizations, levels of government, sponsors. The funding was all in place for May. All of them said, it's okay with us if you want to go three months later. We're fine with that. We don't care. As long as you, yes, you do it in 2020. Most of the funders, not all, but most of them said, we, you cannot carry this over to 2021. You, you know, this is money for 2020. If mm -hmm. you don't do it in 2020, it's fine, but we want our money back. So to me, I've always been on the side of an artist. I was always uh, uh, campaigning for artists to get paid well and to be treated properly. We have money. These artists need to be paid. So all of the contracts that they had for May, with the full amount that they are being paid for May, none of this $50 from Markham Jazz Festival to do something on Zoom. We're not doing that. Good, you know, good for them to do something, but I don't believe, you know, we didn't believe in that. So everybody is getting exactly what they would have been paid if they were on our live stage in May. So everything for Sing then is going to be online. And live. And live. We're about to hear Carry Away, one of the newest songs by Countermeasure. 
Pat started working with the group, an initiative helmed by her son, John Michael Erlinson, when they had just formed 11 years ago and were singing in a classroom. Since then, she's been their publicist, external manager, cheerleader, and their counter-mom. It has been thrilling for Pat to watch them go from classroom to international concert stages with three highly praised albums and a fourth in the works. Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We've just heard Carry Away, written and performed by Countermeasure, with feature artist Kevin Fox. You are listening to a conversation I had with Pat Silver in June 2020. Uh, We're waiting for the government. So we have venues. Uh, The venues are all saying the same thing. If they're allowed to have people in in the venue then we will have a live component. I know that Kerner Hall is already selling tickets for October and saying, I I was on a call yesterday where Kerner Hall was talking about it and saying that they have 
uh, protocols in place to bring people in. I've, again, I've studied all this stuff and listened to all the calls and the health and safety people, how you bring people in, how you take them out. You don't have an intermission because of the washroom issue. Uh, you do shorter events. I mean, there's a lot. You don't sell refreshments. There's a lot of things to yeah. pay attention to, but it's very doable. And so we have two venues, one that we hope to use as a theater uh, that has given us the dates. That's not an issue. But the question is whether they'll be allowed to have an audience. Right. And if they're allowed to bring in an audience, which is not our decision, it's a decision of the government, then we will have the size of audience that we're allowed. I'm expecting it'll be 25% of the house or something like that. That seems to be the standard across Canada and into the U.S. Right. And a 25, 30% of the house lot with people socially distanced. They 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 can sit next to the person they live with, but then they can't. Then you have seats in between, and you have every second row blocked off. All that, and so it will be a hybrid of yes, you can buy a concert ticket and come see it live, but everything's filmed, and then we will put it online. And behind some kind of a paywall, we're we're just trying to decide. For the headliner concerts, what would we charge? And I, I look to you also to see ideas for that. Some amount that we have to recoup some of this. Yeah, that's what I was just going on. That's what I was just thinking as you're talking. It's like... Yeah. Our festival is a ticketed festival. You know that. Yeah. So we can't do it. We have funding, but we can't do it 100% free. But even if uh, there's a festival going on right now where they're charging $7. Um, to see a concert on, online, five bucks, seven bucks, some amount of money that would help offset our cost because it's going to cost us to bring in the film crews and pay for yeah. the space and all that. Um, and also considering that we can reach out much further when we're talking about online, there is a huge, huge international acapella community. Yes, there is. Uh, that would look at, like, right now there's something called Black Forest Voices out of Germany that's online. They've just pivoted to online. And people from all over the world are watching Black Forest Voices. And they they have a, I can't remember, 15 euros or something is a pass for the whole festival. Something like that. We would, we'll would come up with a financial model. There will be a certain number of things that would, will be absolutely free because we have a free stage that we normally do. Yep. And we'll film those artists. And those artists are going to be our kind of more the um, multicultural performers, smaller groups, less less uh, headlining headliners and then for the headlining artists there will be some amount that you have to pay to watch you know nominal and we're figuring people pay, pay five bucks seven bucks or 20 bucks for the whole whole festival it's so little that's quite an undertaking it's more of an, I would imagine it's almost, you're doing double the work, really, yep. because it's more of an undertaking. You're doing live and you're doing online. That all has to be synced up and coordinated. Yep. And then, yeah, that's actually twice the work, if not more. Yep. Oh, I, re I recognize that, but I think it's a wonderful idea. Now, how many, how many other festivals are you aware that might be doing this, like around the world? None. They're not. Just like my little conversations I'm having, nobody else is doing this. No. Well, first of all, they, they can't do it yet. Yeah. The only thing that we know about is this, is the drive-in movie uh, Right. Yeah. And model. that's becoming quite popular now. Yes. And we know that where they've done it, but it's a, that's a, to me, that's a bigger undertaking because uh, there's a lot of logistics. I know how they're doing it. Logistically, to bring the cars in there a certain number of spaces apart, you've got to have the five feet in front of the car in case somebody wants to go get out. There's a lot a lot of logistics. And the other piece is we have to then construct a, a very high stage and get a film crew anyway because yeah. you got to see them. So people, if people come in a pickup truck, you know, figure the tallest vehicle that's going to come in is going to be six feet more or less. So you've got to put somebody on a 15-foot stage. So now we have to build a big stage and put in all that trussing and all that infrastructure to the stage yeah. and and the camera crews because then they're still going to watch on the screen. To me, that is way more work and way more expensive than going into an existing theater that has everything built in. Yeah. And there's no risk of weather. 
That's a big thing too, is the risk of weather. Yeah, if you have that lovely outdoor concert and it pours, A, will anybody come? And B, can the act even go on? We've done outdoor shows so we had to call it, call it. Well, I mean, if you've got no covering and if you're doing it, a, it's one thing to do in a park and in a, in a gazebo or something. It's another thing when you're doing this humongous stage in front of this gigantuan screen. How are you going to cover that? You're not. Well, you can. But <laughs> you can, but I can't imagine expensive. the cost. Yeah, It's very expensive. And if it's lightning or if it's a big rainstorm, it doesn't matter what you've done. You, you have to can't, you have to cancel. Well, no, electrocution is right. just, it's right there. Yeah. So if we do this in a small theater with all the lights that are already in the theater, the sound is in the theater, even if we only have, can bring in 50 people, to me, we'll still come out the same or better than what we would have made by having 500 cars and the cost of building all that infrastructure. And we'll, way less liability. Way less. Now, with all of the streaming and the filming sing is actually going to have a much larger reach yep. internationally yep. than it normally would yep. as and i hate the word just but i'm going to say just as a toronto festival well you know the word that's going to allow you cities but yes tentacles out internationally and we are working with vocal asia we're working with black Forest Voices in... And I've heard of Black Forest Voices. Yep. Uh, we do cross-promotion with them. So we just promoted Black Forest Voices, and they're going to promote us. Uh, we are very close with the London Acapella Festival in the UK. They will help promote us. We also have wonderful contacts at all the acapella festivals in the US, and they will help get the word out. Our value to sponsors, and you worry about this value to sponsors because if it's not live, is that their brand now is going to go out way more huge way more huge than they would have had you want me to write about all of this you can sure okay sure the problem is we, we can't say the name of the theater or the date or or how to buy until the theater is no. allowed to have us no you can't yeah they, that's understandable they, they feel really strongly that they're allowed to have us for filming without an audience because we have so few people if you think about how many people have to go into that building at any given time our our largest show has about 15 singers. They're not, on, they're not all on the stage at the same time, but it's right. 15 performers. Uh, and you'd need two or th a couple of crew people, one for lights, one for sound, and maybe three or four film guys. So you, you need to be able to put 20 people in the building. It's a big building. We're, we're so confident that we can put 20 people in this big building because they're not all next to each other. The sound guys over there, the lighting guys yep. somewhere else. They're they're not on top of each other. The film people, the film people, are, it's a couple. They're a married couple that do our filming. They can ha hang out together. But you know, you put Mika Barnes on stage with the Alt Sisters. The Alt Sisters are already they're already singing together. They're sisters. So Mika's over there with a microphone. The Alt Sisters are the other side with a mic with three microphones. There's no backline. There's no big crew to set this stuff up. Literally. Acapella, they walk on with a microphone and they open their mouth. It is the ideal festival. It's the perfect this. portability of vocal, of instruments. It, exactly. Because it's all right there in your throat. Exactly. So that's why probably other festivals could never do this. For all the setup, for all the crews. It's like it's do. made for this. It's I like know. acapella is made for a pandemic. It, it Totally, totally. Because you don't need the infrastructure. No. Uh, and every single one of the performers has said, yes, they will do it. You know, we're going to make sure we're in our building that we're going to do all the pr proper procedures of cleaning the door handles and cleaning the dressing rooms. And But there's not that many people, and there's plenty of space. If there's no audience, it's a 285-seat theater with 20 people in the building. They can all sit in different places. They don't have to be anywhere mm -hmm. near each other. They go on one at a time. So we, we think that we're perfectly positioned for this. I hope it all works. Well, I think you've answered questions two, three, and four. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is just fine because, it's, it's, again, it was just a conversation. So um, I have to say, by the way, we have a great board of directors, and everybody is so uh, innovative and resourceful and creative. 
So this is not me. This is 17 people. Well, obviously, for the for the whole show, for seeing for countermeasure, for everything, I mean, there's no lack of motivation. Right. There's no lack of determination. Right. There's no lack of creativity. Right. Um, everybody is just willing to work hard and drive it forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I stop to think about it, as a person who goes out to see these different shows, acapella is definitely probably the best and the most suited for something like this because there is no backline, there is no setup. You just need a board, a few mics, and the voices. We have the most uh, flexible kind of festival, fortunately. The most adaptable. Adaptable. The most flexible. Yeah. Anyway, Adaptability so. is, a, is a key thing. The video to this next song, Fox in the Field, was filmed in Scotland during Countermeasures tour to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival three years ago. Shot on top of a very windy Arthur's Seat, an ancient volcano, the song was premiered by Countermeasure at the wedding of Pat's son. A beautiful ballad of love, loss, and remembering.
It is only with the heart that one can see. It is only with the heart that one can see. It is only with the heart that one can see. It is only with the heart that one can see. It is only. Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We've just heard one of Pat Silver's favorite songs, Fox in the Field, performed by the men of Countermeasure. You are listening to a conversation I had with Pat in June 2020. How do you, you, what's your take on how you think this is going to affect artists going forward? Well, again, because I'm on all these calls about, and I'm looking at all the surveys, Enigma Research and various other organizations doing surveys, and the question that they ask is, what will it take you to go back to a live event? Mm-hmm. And what, what you as, a, as an individual, will you go to a concert again? Will you go to a festival again? And if the answer is yes, under what conditions? A certain percentage of people say they will never go to anything live again. It's a small percentage, but there is a certain percentage, and they tend to be older. Um, and there, there's the people in the middle that will say they will go once there's a vaccine. And then there's the other people who are on the beach in Miami that having a drink at a bar, and they're going to go now. So I think the problem is going to be finding a way to convince the public that they are safe going to see a concert. And that's what Kerner Hall is doing right now is figuring out how they can get the message out to the public saying you can come to this if you're going to be fine and the reality is we don't actually know that um, I do know that according to the lawyers and again I've been on all these calls um, if someone comes to our concert and they get infected we cannot be sued that's interesting um, and it's probably be, probably because they'd have to prove that they got it at the concert I don't know but according to lawyers who handle both U.S. and Canada, you cannot be sued because somebody got sick by going to your concert. Um, if you, as long as you have taken, done your due diligence with washing the door handles and bringing people in once at a time and not not serving drinks and all those things. Um, but even as much as I say we say that to people, uh, there will be people who will say yes, but I don't feel that I'm going to be safe because the people on stage are singing and they're, the aerosol from their singing. Well, but that's, but it's the truth. I mean, I that's know. what they found is why, why, why can't choirs sing again? Not right now because the aerosol from the singing. Uh, and if you're in an audience, if you're in the third row, are you going to be affected by that? Maybe. And does somebody in the choir have COVID and they don't even know it? I mean, they, they say that you can be asymptomatic and not, and still be carrying the disease. So, I think the problem for musicians is going to be convincing their audiences that it's safe to go hear them. And you know, live, I think Live Nation has canceled everything for this year. Yes, I have. There's nothing until 2021. Mervish is shut down with the exception of Come From Away. If it's safe, they'll open Come From Away because they can. They're all locals. Uh, if. And Broadway... West End in, in London is shut down for 2020. Yeah. Broadway hasn't said, but, you know, come on. We don't think they'll open. And that's because the public doesn't have the confidence. Not, not necessarily that it isn't safe. Not that they can't bring people in safely, but the public doesn't believe it. So the musicians have to figure out what can they do to survive in the meantime. And I don't know the answer. I mean, I, fortunately, with counter, first of all, countermeasure beat sync and rock singers are not full-time groups the groups that I work with. Um, secondly, Countermeasure was on target to release an album, and they are going to do that this summer. Okay. They're starting in June. June? July, I'm sorry. Um, 
releasing various tracks and then videos, etc. So they're still on target to do all that. You know, Mika just released an album. People are releasing in, in the middle of the pandemic anyway because they've got the product, they're ready to go. Um, but Mika was supposed to do a, a tour to support it. He can't do that at this time. Molly Johnson said she lost 37 gigs, just like that. When I was on that a call. Yes. She lost 37 gigs. Yeah. 37 bookings. Yeah. She was supposed to be on tour. You know, so how do you eat? And $2,000 a month from CERB doesn't replace, isn't enough to replace what they could have made. Yeah. So I think musicians are going to have a tough time. And I, I think some bands will fold and musicians will do something else. Do you think that if they start to, to put more energy into online, um, because so many people are now glued to their screens, that's where they're, I mean, it's, there's nowhere else to go. So between Netflix, Prime, and Facebook, and Instagram, and all the rest of it, I mean, you've got, you know, how many billions of eyes glued to the screen do you think that do you think that they can make a living a decent living through social media or because the the uh, people are looking to get out and to socialize and they're looking for live and the other toss of the coin too is it makes me think who's re who's ultimately responsible for making it safe are we looking to government to say okay and and to say okay it's safe i can go out and play now or do we take responsibility? I mean, you and I come from a generation where you take responsibility for your own actions. We're adults. We make our own choices. You know, so are we that dependent on the government, you know, six months or a year from now to say, okay, you can go out and play now? Well, I don't you think that we're dependent. I think it's whether we're allowed. I mean, it, it, we're, we're not, yeah. we cannot open our doors for a concert until the provincial government or the local government says, you are allowed to have this many people in a room. Right now they're allowing 50 people at a wedding. Yep. And they're allowing 30% at houses of worship. And so my argument is, what is the difference between a theater and a church? There is no difference. Mm -hmm. you, if you can have 30% capacity at a church, then you should have 30% capacity in a theater. It's exactly the same risk. The same risk factor, the same how to get people in, how to get people out, washrooms, it's exactly the same risk factor. Yep. So I would hope, I mean, I know that the Canadian Live Music Association is doing a lot of a lot of uh, lobbying and presenting papers to government. I would hope that that would be the argument. If you can have 50 people at a wedding, then you should be able to have 50 people at a concert. What is the difference? There's still people who are assembled. So maybe what will happen is that the club scene will come back faster because the, the large venues can't afford to do this. I mean, that's what, again, that's what I'm hearing on these calls, talking to theaters in Western Canada, talking to theaters in uh, a part of the sort of Eastern regional theaters in the US, just talk, talking to those small theaters. What they're doing as they're opening is they're allowed 25% or 30% capacity, and they're bringing in um, tribute bands that don't cost very much. Right. Because they can't, this is why Live Nation hasn't canceled because they don't think it's safe. They've canceled because they can't afford to do it. You can't pay Elton John on a 25% capacity or the Bare Naked Ladies or Walk no. Up the Earth. They cannot do it on 25% capacity, no. so therefore they're not doing it at all. But what you can do is you can pay smaller artists going into clubs on 25% capacity. Now what happens to Walk Up the Earth or Blackie and the Rodeo Kings or Elton John, they're going to have to sit it out. Maybe they're going to they're going to go in the studio and record so that when this comes back next spring, which I'm sure it will, January, February, they'll have a new product on the market to to support their next tour. So they're going to be sitting out of work for a while. Uh, new Zealand has just plunked a lot of money into restoring the arts. I don't know if yeah. so. We are doing some of that, and Canada Council has been given extra money. <clears throat> the city is helping us as a festival today. We got notice of a $10,000 grant, which I'm thrilled. That's from the city of Toronto. We asked for 22, we got 10. Okay. 10 is better than zero. Um, so the city and, and, and the Canada Council and Heritage 
are all plunking some money into the arts. How much is getting to the individual artist? I, I don't see that. It's, you know, maybe through Canada Council, but Canada Council, for instance, is you can apply for money for Canada Council for your organization if you're already getting uh, core funding. So who gets that money? National Ballet, Toronto Symphony, Canadian Opera Company. All the big organizations. Does Blackie and the Rodeo Kings get that? Absolutely not. No. Does Jeff Jones get it? No. So it's 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 designed. Uh, we we don't get it. We don't get core funding. We're little guys as a festival. Countermeasure doesn't get core funding. So none of none of the individual artists are going to see that. So where is that money going to go from Canada Council when it goes to the people with core funding like like the COC? I'm guessing it's going to go to administration. It's going to keep the organization alive. Is it going to go to the singers? Probably not. If they cancel the opera, if they cancel the opera. And I guarantee you, don't forget that, that everybody's got a force majeure in those contracts. We have it. All of our contracts have a force majeure. Have a, for, a for, it's called a force majeure. It says, it's an out. It says if we can't hold a concert for one of the following reasons, or for any reason, you don't get paid. out of our control, we don't have to pay you. And one of the reasons is pandemic. So we actually had a headliner that we were supposed to bring in from the States and Europe this year for the festival. And we used the force majeure and said, you can't get here. The borders are closed. So we can't have you, but what we'll do is we'll rebook you for 2021. And they were fine with that because they literally couldn't get here. But the locals are, they're all here. We didn't invoke the force majeure and say, we're not paying you. We could legally. But I bet you that COC, National Ballet, Toronto Symphony, they're all saying, yeah. you know, if they're getting money for core funding from, from Arts Council, it's not going to those musicians. I don't, I don't imagine. Uh, Opera Italia, and you see this, one after another after another. I get something from Topple Music at least once a week asking for money. Opera Italia, at least once a week asking for money. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting the same emails. And you know what, if, when you sign up for our mailing list, you know what you won't get? But that means that they can't survive and they can't pay their artists without public help. So what's happening to the artists? They're sitting at home. And, and maybe they're using their time to create new material. But if you're an opera singer, what are you going to do? So I think it's going to be really tough on artists for a year. And will they be able to survive it and come back? Maybe. Hopefully they could do other jobs but you know used to be when we were looking for dancers for my shows that we were producing we always looked for waiters because they were all dancers <laughs> they're not and so now there's no they're not even the waiters right no I think I, I think it's going to be tough on musicians I, I'm glad I'm not in that club circuit anymore what what do you think is one positive thing because I'm looking for some positivity in all of this one positive thing that's come out of this whole pandemic situation for, your, um, for yourself or for your business for well uh, personally what I think is that families are spending time together because they don't have a choice and I think we were racing around well there's a number of things there's less pollution because there's hardly any cars on the road I mean that you can see country after country where they say well we've never seen the Taj Mahal until now because of all the pollution so country after country after country, the pollution is way down because people aren't going out of there. The cars aren't on the road. So I think environmentally, uh, we are, unfortunately, this is it, it's this pandemic, but it is a help to the planet. Um, I think in terms of socialization for people who can do this, it is good for families. I see, like my neighbors, they're, they're a family unit and they're spending all their time together because what else are they going to do? They're, the kids are home. They're doing home, home. It's not homeschooling, but it's schooling by computer. But I think it, it means that um, the rat race of parents dropping the kid at daycare, coming home at the end of the day, picking the kid up, having you know being exhausted from the work that they're doing anyway, hoping to spend a little quality time with their children, and then crashing. Kid goes to bed. They go to bed. It and it, and repeat and repeat and that isn't what's going on anymore. Yes, people are working from home, but they're still there with their families. So I think for some, it, it is a, a, a good opportunity for family time. 
and to come up with projects. My, you know, my friends tell me that they're doing these wonderfully creative projects with their kids that they weren't doing before. I'm painting more because where else am I going to, I'm not going to go anywhere, so I've got my art studios. Not that I wasn't painting, but I'm painting more. I'm practicing more. I haven't practiced piano in years because I never really, you know, play, but I never really thought about practicing classical, getting my classical chops up. So for me, it's time, more creative time to paint, practice piano and flute, um, cook, knit. Yes. A lot of knitting projects. Um, so it's, it, it, you know, I don't spend any time getting in my car and driving somewhere to do something because I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and, and the flip side of that is I'm way busier. Pardon me with, with managing the groups at the festival. But that's, that's me. I mean, an ordinary person would have more time on their hands. Uh, and, and then there's all kinds of online courses. My friend who was just here, my friend who was here is, was my office mate from when I was at the CBC in 1973. And we've stayed friends all these years. Anyway, she, popped, she dropped in. Um, but she's taking online courses. There's, you know, I think there, somebody sent me 140 institutions that are offering online courses for free. So I think there's an opportunity for people to expand their world in a way that they wouldn't have had the time for or the money. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the upside that's it you've just listened to a conversation I had with musician, author, entrepreneur and artist Pat Silver 11 months ago in June 2020 many thanks to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the theme music for the show and to those of you tuned in thank you for taking the time to listen inviting us into your cars, offices and homes if you'd like to continue listening to what these musicians have to say, follow me on Podbean or any one of the platforms you're using, and you'll be notified automatically when the next conversation is published. I am Pat Blythe, and you're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.